Welcome to your New Hampshire National Guard podcast. We are always ready, always there. This podcast series is a production of the State Public Affairs Office. Welcome to the first podcast of your New Hampshire National Guard. I'm your host, Lieutenant Colonel Greg Heilshorn, Director of Public Affairs. And in our control room, beaming like a proud father, is Tech Sergeant Charles Johnston, the show's producer extraordinaire. Our guest today is Major General David Michaelitis, the Adjutant General of the New Hampshire National Guard. I can't think of a better way to start this new adventure than with a homegrown Manchester kid who grew up to be a Green Beret and now resides in Portsmouth, where he's a husband, dad, coach, and fledgling chicken farmer. Good morning, sir. (laughs) Thanks, Greg. Thanks for having me on today. How are those chickens, by the way? They're doing well. We're uh, down to three, but they're uh, (laughs) they're doing well. Good. I bring that up because you shared a funny story a while ago of... of, uh, Corralling a few that escaped the coop and you're out in your backyard with either a hockey stick or a broom trying to get them back in. Uh, uh, true statement. They're backyard chickens. Uh, we have a small uh, lot in Portsmouth, but um, you know I think the neighbors enjoy them as well as our kids. Nice. Well, suffice to say, home life has a way of bringing you back down to earth. Um, you're in your fourth year as the adjutant general, charged with leading 3,000 soldiers, airmen, and civilian employees. Has it been a similar humbling experience for you? Yeah, it truly has. I really didn't know what to expect when I took the position. And now that you have almost this bird's eye view up front of all these soldiers and airmen and the great things they do, it's truly been a humbling experience. But it also let me know is um, probably what I didn't know. You know, I've never had to interact this much with the Air National Guard, the new KC-46, its new mission set, and its strategic relevance that it has on the seacoast for the next 50 years. And, um, Learning and seeing up close, you know, what they do day in and day out has just been a great opportunity. What's impressed you the most so far? Or, or maybe the biggest impression that's been made? Um, I think for both the Army and Air combined is they always succeed. And when you reflect back and just in the last year or two, and I, and I think about it, I'm like, you know, the, the state's response to COVID. We had 788 soldiers and airmen activated at the peak of COVID over 200,000 mandates in support of the state of New Hampshire. And oh, by the way, while we were doing this, we just fielded this new airplane at Pease and we're flying real world missions. And, and when you look at what we do, you know, with the mission triad, you know, fight to win our nation's wars, secure the homeland and building partnerships, all three, you know, we've been just knocking it out of the park. The op tempo has been especially unprecedented uh, over the last two years. It's felt like we've been we've all been riding the the Shanghai Maglev, which which is the world's fastest train. And I um, I had to look that up, by the way. Uh, now that the worst of the pandemic is over, uh, it feels like the train is is you know alluding to what you just said is is picking up speed in a different way. Is is that how you see it, or are, are we kind of um, in a different phase right now. Yeah, I think we're in a different phase, but the basic soldiering and airman skills, right? Base, mastering the fundamentals, um, that hasn't changed. And just as we as we now pivot to the um, great power competition with Afghanistan and Iraq to, uh, pretty much behind us, with COVID mostly in the rearview mirror, yeah, we're, we're going back to what we did about 20, 30 years ago, about pre-9-11, great power competition. 
Um, the adversary this time around is China. Uh, last time around, it was Russia. And it's it's just projecting and making sure our readiness is there. So when our soldiers and airmen are needed for that federal mission, we can appropriately respond. We've heard this term used a lot, the great power competition um, by our, our senior leaders, both here in New Hampshire and, and nationally. Um, explain for, for those uh, listeners who might not know exactly what that is, ex- can you explain that? Yeah, I think in, in simple terms, for great power competition, democracy is on the demise around the globe. And it's being challenged by uh, uh, adversarial authoritarian regimes. And the international rules-based order that the U.S. established post-World War II is just under duress right now. And, you know, you see China and Russia and sometimes Iran doing things that sort of destabilizes this global order that the U.S. established uh, post-World War II. And it's just, it's just a function for us in the U.S. military getting back to that great power competition, you know, just being ready in the, in, in the case that something's needed from us. Mm-hmm. Now you're you're in your fourth year as the adjutant general. Do you, do you feel like you found your groove? Uh, I would have thought so before COVID. Um, <laughs> now with COVID sort of subsiding, um, yeah, you know, there's always a different challenge or a different opportunity. You know, I reflect and look back and say, you know, all the big accomplishments that New Hampshire National Guard has accomplished. You know, obviously COVID, the KC forty six. Then when you look at the Army, it's fielding new force structure. Mm-hmm. And um, the additional force structure, you know, in, in the last year or two, in the last next year or two going ahead, we'll add about 10 to 15% additional force structure to the state of New Hampshire. And a lot of capabilities that we were lacking in the past. And it's just a great opportunity to be in the Guard right now, whether it's want to be Army or Air. And as you go forward, you know, we just were fortunate enough to get our second state partnership program. You know, for the last 20 plus years, started in 2000, we were partners with the country of El Salvador. And now we were recently awarded or notified of our selection for Cabo Verde. So having that global presence, building alliances, you know, giving our soldiers and airmen the opportunities to travel and train to build those alliances and strengthen the democracy around the globe. You know, it's just an exciting time. So it's fair to say the train is moving pretty fast, but the key is we have lots of open seats. Is that a, is that a fair uh, I think fair that's, a, that, that's a fair statement. Um, so give us your best recruiting pitch. Why is the National Guard the best choice for a young man or woman considering military service? You can live, learn, serve right here in the state of New Hampshire. It all started back in 1679, goes forward another century later and those famous words, live free or die. And if you want to serve your community, your state, and the nation, part-time job, full-time benefits, the time is now. Full-time benefits, something that our generation, or I should say uh, soldiers our age, didn't really see when we were uh, coming up through the ranks. Completely free tuition at any state college or university no uh it sounds too good to be true but it is yeah with with the escalator to the middle class and that's the opportunities for educational opportunities whether it's white collar or blue collar where you want to learn a trade a skill or credentialing um we've had soldiers and airmen actually get their law degrees uh through this tuition waiver program so i mean the opportunities exist for you to better yourself and it's all about being a better citizen, being a better informed citizen to serve your community, your state, and your nation. Excellent. Okay, um, I've got a series of random rapid-fire questions if you're game. 
Yeah, let's do it. It's going to be all over the place. So first question, do you believe in UFOs? No. Have you ever seen one? No. Obviously not. Favorite movie? Uh, Next. (laughs) We can come back to that one. Last good book you read? Team Arrivals. Talked about Abe Lincoln and how he established uh, and selected his cabinet and his leadership during the Civil War. Nice. Uh, One guilty pleasure? We call it Boy Scout Trail Mix. Um, (laughs) So when I take, I'm involved with the Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts, and when we ever go on hiking trips, we make this called Boy Scout uh, Trail Mix with uh, pretzel goldfish, uh, craisins, uh, uh, peanuts, and M&Ms. If you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? To listen more. Can someone can someone learn to be a good leader, or do you have to be born with the instincts? I think that's an age-old question, and I think there's proponents on both sides of that equation. Um, I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's a little bit of both. Okay. What's the difference between a good leader and a bad one? A good leader serves with humility and empathy and is a true servant leader. And the bad leader or a poor leader is, it's all about me. And that's the difference. And if, if, if you learn the values of leadership the right way, you can identify that in the people who aren't out for the team, the we versus the me. And you can, I mean, you can see that it's, we're not just talking about officers. It's, it's any soldier, any military service member at any level of command. Yep, self, self, selfless service. Would you agree that good followers are underrated? Yes. So Tom Brady gets all the credit, but if his receivers don't catch the ball, if his linemen don't block, or his, or if his defense folds like an ocean lot table, well, maybe he wins you know half as many Super Bowls. That seems to be something that you could you could apply in almost not only just military service, but in any career field, in any business, company, et cetera. Yeah, I think that's the, the, the best thing about the military is it's the best team you could ever serve on. It's, all, it's a team endeavor. We do it as a team. Um, it, it, it's all about the team, less of the me. Would you say in your career you've, you've, you've had a, a fairly robust and long career, uh, both active duty and reserve in the guard, uh, are you seeing more of the we or are you seeing too much of the me? I think we're coming back to more of the we. I think, unfortunately, uh, a little bit prior, prior to the global war on terror, it was more about the me and individuals and soldiers or officers and their sort of individual self-advancement. But I think with the global war on terror, would it focus us back to the, you know, getting back to the team, the we, and empowering our sort of NCOs, our non-commissioned officers to take the lead? And especially, especially today, um, it seems like politics has infested every facet of our life to include the military. The vitriol especially has become so magnified. How do you avoid it or how do you keep above that, that constant fray? I think it's just about staying true to your values. Uh, stay, stay true to your values and why you serve. And we're here to sort of, uh, we're here to protect and defend. 
you know, we swore an oath to the Constitution to defend against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Stay true to that sort of core belief in the Constitution, the oath that you took. Roger. What's the future hold for the New Hampshire National Guard? I think it's exciting times. There's always an opportunity. And whether it's, you know, participating in the state partnership program and having the opportunity to travel abroad, serving with a foreign nation military, with his ability to hear train at home. And I think with COVID, it brought us back to the basics. It brought us back to being a community-based organization, getting involved locally and building those partnerships. And you look around the state and the partnerships that we've built over the last year and a half, I mean, they are strong. And I think that just sets us up for good opportunities in the future, whether it's training at home or abroad. Are you, are you feeling pretty optimistic that not only can we meet the challenge, but we can, we can attract those um, stellar young men and women to the force and, and get them involved? I, th- I think so. You know, some have said like Generation Z is a little bit different than Generation X versus the millennials. Ultimately, it's about service to, you know, something bigger than yourself. If you want to make a difference, you can do it here. And I think for those thinking, whether it's an opportunity, education, adventure, you can do it here. You can live, learn, serve here in New Hampshire. What do you tell parents who, uh, who understand that message, who get it? it? It all starts with values, but maybe they're struggling with their, with their children as far as getting them to see the lights, so to speak, or, or they've got kids that are more wrapped up in watching TikTok and, and catching up on their, their digital platforms. You being a parent yourself, what would you share with parents out there that, that may have that question is, how do, my, how do I get my kids to see that, to embrace that selfless service side of life? I would first try to have that, that parent find a peer of another soldier or airman who's currently serving of a similar age group or demographic and find, find that soldier or airman, maybe the University of New Hampshire or Plymouth State or community college system and say, hey, why did you join? And learn firsthand that the opportunities are endless. The challenges might be hard. They're not insurmountable. We, you can achieve what you sort of pursue. Do you agree those values start at home? It all starts at home. With the folks, with yep. the parents. What's the future hold for you? Uh, uh, a few tags ago, the running um, rumor about this particular tag was that as soon as he, he retired as the adjutant general, he was going to put his name in the hat for governor, that he had he had some sort of political ambitions. And when we talked to him about it, he, he chuckled about it and said, you know, that's not, that's not what my future holds. Um, I, I certainly will take an active role in the community and, and probably local politics, but... Um, you know, it's a question that, that I think is especially troops at the lower level, they look up to your office and wonder, you know, where does the general go next? Where does the general go next? I would say, yeah, I love what I do. I love waking up every morning and putting on our nation's uniform. I usually joke with that Bill, Bill Belichick line and say, I drank the Kool-Aid. It's all about being red, white, and blue. Right. And I firmly believe in everything this uniform in this nation stands for. I think looking into the future, just a gentleman farmer, probably having more chickens and just, you know, just pursuing sort of a, sort of an outdoor quiet lifestyle. Well said, General. And thank you for joining us on the, uh, on the first podcast of your New Hampshire National Guard. And we look forward to having you back again real soon. Thanks, Greg. I appreciate your time. 
Thanks for listening to your New Hampshire National Guard podcast.